You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Well, last week we looked at the four R's of suffering. Now, we didn't refer to them that way, but that would have been a cool way to remember what do we need to do when we are suffering as Christians, meaning yeah, there are all kinds of sufferings, all different kinds of ways that you suffer. We talked about some of those last week, but what we honed in on is what Peter was teaching, which was Christian suffering. That suffering that you experience on account of your faith, when you're challenged because of your beliefs and your values, when someone is harassing you because you're trying to do the right thing on account of Jesus Christ. So we looked at those four R's very, very quickly. I'll remind you of those. The first is to realize that suffering for your faith is bound to happen. So don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. Peter then told us to rejoice when it does happen because then you are drawn closer to Christ. It also means that others can see God at work in you and God can trust you. The third thing he said, when you're experiencing suffering for your faith is refuse to be ashamed because, Peter said, don't forget, you bear the name of Jesus Christ. And fourth, he said, remain faithful to God. So today we conclude the book of 1 Peter. And in chapter 5, Peter is going to talk to some leaders of the church of his day and give them some advice about serving, advice that Peter learned from none other than Jesus Christ. Now, I said that this was to leaders of that day, leaders in the church, but don't think this is only for pastors and elders to hear. This is great advice for anyone who's wanting to live their life as an influence over others. So if you want to live a life of influence over other people, then this is a sermon for you. What Peter essentially says to them is as you're trying to influence other people, there's certain things that you uh, know will work and certain things that won't. And this is where he leads us in 1 Peter chapter 5. This is the word of the Lord. To the elders among you, he writes, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is going through the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You think, okay, that's a great place to close the book. Peter's got a few more lines, just as kind of a, a wrap-up to his letter. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon which is another name for Rome, actually, chosen together with you, send you her greetings, and so does my son in the faith, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love, and he closes it with this, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Let me share with you from this passage of Peter three ways that you can make an impact, that you can leave a legacy that you can make a difference in other people's lives by living a life of significance. He says, number one, is about shepherding or tending the flock. Now, here's how he puts it exactly at verse 2. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care watching over them. Well, for that to happen well, you've got to be willing to do this. Peter's writing to these leaders, and he's saying... Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. And then he completes the thought with, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. You know what four words will never change the world if I have to? I'll do it if I have to. Can you imagine Neil Armstrong getting ready to step out of the lunar module for the very first time, calling back to mission control, do I have to? Or think about shepherd boy David confronting Goliath, being able to battle him, defeat him with a half-hearted attitude, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. And let me say this. Some of you are feeling very trapped by the have-tos in your life. Most of your life right now seems to be all hinging on duty. I have to do this. I have to do that. Maybe you're a single parent and everything about your life is about duty and responsibility and there's no time for you. Maybe for you it's the, the, the pressures of keeping a marriage alive or a business afloat and everything about it is just turning into responsibilities and it's wearing you down. And many times when we get into that kind of a situation, the only way out we think is a change of circumstances. So we say, all right, well, forget the marriage then. Forget the job. Let me give you a different option today. Instead of a change of circumstances, think about it as a change of the options, the possibilities, a change of heart, changing all those duties and responsibilities into opportunities. Changing your heart, that's key. And willingness is such an important part of our lives. So instead of saying, I'll be a servant if I have to, Peter says, learn to want to do it. That's where power and influence come in life. Well, how do you begin 
to make the change? How do you begin to love your kids again or love your spouse again? Or how do you begin to want to serve God again? Well, if that's your struggle, then pray this. God, I'm willing to be made willing. And you know what? That makes God your partner. All of a sudden, you're not in it alone. You're asking for his help to change your heart, which, by the way, you can't do on your own. So whatever you're struggling with, you look to God and you say, God, I'm, I'm willing to be made willing. So in order to tend the flock, our first point, one of the things Peter says is be willing. A second encouragement to tending the flock, Peter says, is to choose giving over getting. Here's more of verse 2. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Peter's saying, don't be after your work, serving others, as if you're just doing this for the money. But do it because you want to. Be eager to serve. Now, let me ask. Are we more usually interested in giving or getting? You don't even have to answer that. I know. Getting, right? But Peter says giving has merits to it that a lot of times we just forget. We don't even recognize Peter reminds us that you don't make a lasting impact in somebody else's life by what you make. You make a lasting impact on somebody's life by what you give. You see, we tend to equate having money with having influence. If we have money, is that the problem? No. You can use your money as a positive impact on others' lives. It's greed that's the problem. It's the unquenchable desire to get more and more That's the problem. Greed keeps you from being satisfied. You're always reaching for more. So don't confuse influence with income. Those are two entirely entirely different things. And the third encouragement about tending the flock, Peter says, is choose to be an example over being in control. Don't be like a ruler ordering people around. Don't be like a ruler over people you're responsible for, but be a great example to them. That's really Peter's message in verse 3. He's saying, you don't make a lasting impact by telling people what to do. You make a lasting impact by showing people how to do it. That means the measure of my influence, the measure of your influence. It's not how many people are under you in some organizational chart. The measure of your influence is how many people are behind you, following you. Following your steps, following your example. Suppose, for instance, you had a meeting at your company and everybody knew it had been really tight times of late. The boss makes this impassioned speech about the need to cut back. Everybody's going to have to cut back. Everybody's going to have to sacrifice. It's a tremendous speech. People are crying. The whole company is ready just to charge ahead with doing what we need to do. And at the end of the speech, the boss says, look, I'm so committed to these changes. I want to do this with you. I'm going to be a helpmate with you all along the way. I know it's going to be a struggle. I'm there with you. Just not for the next three weeks because I'm taking a vacation to Bermuda. Tell me what you're going to remember about that speech. His words or his example? You want to leave a mark in this world? Your example is what leaves a mark. You want to be a great mom or great dad? 
be a great example. You want to be a great boss? Be a great example. You want to be a great Christian? Be a great example. Then look at verse 5 into verse 6. Peter says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. So one of the ways we have an impact, we make a difference, we live a life of significance is to shepherd or tend the flock under our care. Peter then says the second way we live a life of significance is to be humble. I'll be the first to admit that's not easy. That's not a natural thing. But here's what humility says. Humility says, God, I'm dependent upon you. I need you in my life. Peter says, if, you're, if you'll humble yourselves, God will exalt you. Significance will come into your life because he will exalt you. God's the one who does the lifting. It's his plan. Now, as hard as it is to be humble, there's another problem with this passage that Peter just told us. This is the last three words that we just read when he, when he said, in due time. Speaking for myself, I'd rather God lift me up in my time. <laughs> In due time, that's God's time. And his time is always right. In due time, God will lift you up. He's the one that does the lifting. By the way, he's good at it. In his time, God will lift you up to a place of significance. See if this illustration helps. If I'm going to board a jet to go someplace, I've got to stay on the jet to get there, right? So when it comes to depending upon God and living with an attitude of humility, we struggle with that. Usually, we're only humble when we're desperate. When we've tried everything else and we cry out, God, I'm desperate. I need you. I'm on my knees before you. Help me. It's like we've gotten on this jet and we take off. We reach a good altitude. We're feeling pretty good about our situation. We think, you know what? I've got it from here. So we pop open the door of the jet and step outside thinking, look, God got me up to speed. I can take it from here. I'm soaring. You step out, what's going to happen? You fall like a rock. And then you begin to wonder, God, why did you let me fall? You're in a jet. Stay in the jet. Live life with an attitude of humility and God will raise you up. God will exalt you. God will lift you up. Peter learned this from none other than Jesus Christ who time and time again shared this with his disciples. And when Peter wrote this letter and had to end it there, when he was finally getting to that point, I have a feeling Jesus spoke to his heart and said, finally, finally Peter, you got it. Jesus said to his disciples, this is recorded in Matthew, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, those who humble themselves will be exalted. That verse tells me that one of the keys to significance in life is humility. It's basically saying, learn to be great at being humble. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Be great at being humble. But you see, a lot of times we confuse what humility really is. 
Jesus here is telling us that there's a real connection between our desire to be great and our need to be humble. We think humility is denying everything about our lives, my goals, my plans. I just got to wipe them out of my heart. Jesus says, no, that's not true. Humble yourself and I'll exalt you. You see, Jesus is teaching us that we can have those ambitions. Just let humility manage how you live out those ambitions. Realize that this is what Jesus is teaching, that true greatness comes from depending upon him. There's no better example of this than Jesus Christ, who not only talked about humility, he showed it, he lived it. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. For you, in your place, for the forgiveness of your sins. Jesus stepped off the throne. That's humility. Greater humility, dying on a cross when he did nothing wrong. Absolute, perfect, sinless one. But he did it for you. Finally, the third way that we live a life of significance, that we make a lasting uh, impact on others' lives, Peter goes back to this in verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So now you're thinking, okay, I get this. It's like fishing. This is how you handle your worries then, right? Peter's saying you cast him out there. You just cast your worries out. What happens in fishing? We cast out and we reel in. We cast out, we reel in. You, you cast it out. He says, is it still wiggling on the end? Yeah, it's still alive. Um, so I'm going to cast it back out. And we keep reeling it back in. And what God is saying through Peter is instead of being anxious, instead of taking that weight on in your life, cast your cares on him. Don't just throw them out there. Give them to God. Let him carry the weight. It's one of his jobs, and he's great at it. Cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. The single most important thing you can discover to get rid of your worries is that God cares about your cares. That means God knows what you're going through. He hurts when you hurt. He cares about the things you care about. Maybe no one else understands, but he understands. And once you've discovered that, it opens the door to incredible strength and peace in the midst of turmoil and chaos and crisis. What's the opposite of worry? The opposite of worry is hope. And we have hope Peter reminds us that the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you. He himself will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Therefore, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, only in you is there a great deal of mercy and grace 
that came through Jesus Christ that gives us life here and now and allows us to, to live a life of significance, not on our own, but as we're dependent upon you. You've shown us in this letter from Peter how to walk through chaos and crisis and turmoil and discouragement. It's as our focus is on you. And Lord, that's the only hope there is for our marriages, for our families, for our businesses, for our nation, for our leaders, for any divisions is only as we keep having you first, foremost, always. Lord, is this kind of coming back full circle? I I know that there are so many in this world whose God is something other than the one true God that you are. which means we have work to do. We are to be your ambassadors. We are your representatives. But again, we don't do this alone. So there doesn't have to be that scary kind of thing. You show us. You've given us words. You've given us an example. All we have to do is just share you and what difference you've made in our lives. And if we live that out, if we live out who we are in you, what a change will come on everyone around us and what a blessing that will be and you get all the glory. In the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.